What's up guys, Chris Harry with you on a week eight edition of Chargers Weekly. Bolts headed to Denver, a big divisional showdown with the Broncos. Coming up, a Beat Writers Roundtable, Haley Elwood, The Athletics, Daniel Popper, and Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group, going to join me a bit later. We'll also see what's on the menu, presented by Subway with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith. But first, we get this week's opposing view from Denver, courtesy of Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post. All right, my first guest, friend of the podcast, Ryan O'Halloran, Denver Post, going to give us this week's opposing view. Ryan, how are you, buddy? Good, Chris. Good to join you again. Absolutely. We got a, uh, a divisional showdown in Denver, both teams two and four. Uh, this is a critical game. What are the Broncos saying about the Chargers coming to town? Well, I would agree that in a showdown game, it could be a loser loser goes home game. Uh, two and five is tough, tough sled in this league. The Broncos, interestingly, over the last couple of days, they're more about themselves. Um, you can ask them about Justin Herbert. They're impressed with him, the way he goes down the field. But after getting blown out by the Chiefs on Sunday, I think they feel like their their company line is take care of their own house before they can worry about the Chargers. Obviously, they're ch- worried about the Chargers behind the scenes, but a lot of uh, a lot of taking stock for the Broncos after Sunday's game. What happened in that game? Because if you look at the defensive stats, you see Patrick Mahomes 0 for 8 on third down. Uh, I know there was a pick six. I know there was a kickoff return. Uh, what was the reason for that Broncos loss? Yeah, you mentioned those two non-offensive touchdowns. Those came within a five-minute span in the second quarter, made a 10-6 game, 24-6, and the route was on. Yeah, defensively, what Kansas City did, they rushed for and played coverage. And I think that threw Drew Locke for a loop a little bit, threw their offense for a loop for a little bit. And Jerry Judy didn't really get going. Tim Patrick got hurt. Uh, Noah Fant was still nicked up. So, And then Philip Lindsay, and I think probably the biggest part of the game, Philip Lindsay had 79 yards and nine carries in the first half, went out with a concussion. So uh, that that sent the offense back as well. So I think it was a little bit of a perfect storm. Kansas City is just better. The running back position in Denver, obviously Melvin Gordon gets to face his old team. What do we know as we take this about Philip Lindsay and his status for, for Sunday? Yeah, well, he didn't practice Wednesday, and he remains in the protocol. And, you know, as, as I'm sure many of your viewers know, that's up to independent uh, doctors. The team has to go, go uh, by whatever they say. So, you know, Vic Fangio said on Wednesday after practice that Friday at the earliest, they'll know, but probably be Saturday. Mm. I don't think you can count on him. Uh, you don't want to mess around with that. So it'd be Melvin Gordon's game. What is Melvin saying about playing his old team? I'm sure he's he's pretty fired up to play against his old teammates. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know we talked to him on Wednesday via Zoom, and it was his first time talking to the media since he was arrested three weeks ago. So that was the main point of the conversation, as it should have been. But he also talked about playing the Chargers. He said he's talked to a couple of former teammates this week, and you know he he says that well, it's just another game. It's another team on the schedule. Well, Chargers sort of kicked him to the curb and didn't give him that long-term deal. So there has to be some kind of motivation. Maybe that, maybe those juices will get flowing when the game starts. Hey, this Broncos offense with Drew Locke under center, and obviously you bring in guys like Hamler, who I know has been nicked up, and and, and Jerry Judy. Uh, what do you make of, of Drew Locke's season? I know he was hurt uh, coming back, had a, a couple tough games. This Broncos offense in general, what are fans saying about the future of it with Locke at the quarterback position? Yeah, right now this offense is broken um, through no fault of Drew Locke. Not a lot of faults, I should say. You know, he played against Tennessee, got hurt week two, came back for the New England game through two fourth quarter interceptions, but they win the game. Okay, that means it's a learning experience. Uh, this is his first real bout of NFL adversity, non-injury, non-injury department. A uh, couple picks last week. Just looked out of sorts. Maybe was scrambling in the pressure a little bit. Wasn't stepping up in the pocket. Was trying to extend plays with his legs, which didn't work. So I think this is a key game for Drew Locke. It's not a be-all, end-all. But you can't let these bad games as a young quarterback start stacking up. You know, for the Broncos offense, though, they lost Cortland Sutton in week two. He's their best receiver. He made yeah. the Pro Bowl this year. That was a killer because he makes everybody look good. Um, the 50-50 ball, the play caller. And so 
Sutton's injury that uh, put Jerry Judy in a more high-profile spot, first-round pick. That's going to put more pressure on K.J. Hamler. He's back from a hamstring injury. And then Tim Patrick's been their number one guy. He hasn't practiced this week because of his own hamstring injury. So this Bronco offense is it's tough to get out of the blocks when you're down some guys, and you just have so much youth. You, know, you flip it over to the defense, and I mentioned, listen, the last two weeks – uh, opponents four for 21 on third down if you count the Patriots and, and Chiefs the defense has played pretty solid I know that they have the attention of Shane Steichen and, and Anthony Lynn uh, what can you attribute the uh, the success to uh, over the last two weeks I guess specifically yeah pass rush is getting cranked up I mean they got 14 sacks in the last three games that was a problem early in the season and and the other thing is they're very good in the red zone uh, is that scheme is that you know, personnel, probably a combination of both, but they've really been buckling down third down and red zone. As a couple of players told me last year when people wanted to ask them about their first-ranked red zone defense, well, we have enough chances. So there's the thing. Don't let them in the red zone. Make some of those plays closer to midfield where they don't kick a field goal. But, you know, they, they're getting healthy. A.J. Boye, the corner, came back last week after missing a month. Um, yep, that allowed them to move Bryce Callahan inside. Uh, you got Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker, depth offensive ends uh, back last week from IR as well. Interesting up front, be interesting how the Chargers attack the, the run front. Mike Purcell, nose tackle, broke his foot on Sunday. He's out for the year, so they'll sort of have a bye committee there. And as far as the running game for the Chargers, Justin Herbert was their leading rusher last week. And I know you mentioned, listen, the, the Broncos are, are focused more in-house, but you know, Herbert was named NFL Rookie of the Month uh, this morning as we taped this. Uh, just your impressions of, of what you've seen from Herbert in these first five starts of his NFL career. I mean, the numbers are eye-popping. Some of that's due to circumstance when you're in you know, high-scoring tight games. You know, I watched the entire New Orleans game. Uh, I, I was impressed in terms of his toughness, in terms of his – I mean, you know he's athletic, but he, he sort of has a good grasp of staying in the pocket – trust in his protection and you know anytime you have some of those weapons you throw it to them it's not gonna be a perfect pass let those guys go get it so uh you know one thing Vic Fangio said about Drew Locke earlier week applies to Justin Herbert so the only way to get better at this position this league is play and I've always agreed with him on that did they have did they put Justin in before they wanted to obviously but I think this will benefit him not only in the in the in the short run but in the long run, just get him out there and get him playing. Yeah, he said he, he's improving each week. And I think it's just like you said, get, getting those reps early in your NFL career. And, you know, it's it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, three months ago he, he had just met his teammates, right? <laughs> yeah. Being in the offseason and Zoom. Uh, I mean, you look at Burrow too, man. I mean, a lot of these rookies – uh, I've just been kind of blown away by the the early success that they're having, despite not really having that off season. Yeah, and I think that goes back to the to the passing games they're learning in college. You know, yeah. they may be some spread, but there's a lot of pro elements both to LSU and Oregon. And I think there probably was some carryover to say, hey, not all this stuff is going to be totally foreign, but you got to have a pretty good head on your shoulders to get through this, learning the system as like we're talking right now. But I think one thing that sticks out about Herbert is he's doing it without Eckler. And yeah. he's a Colorado kid, so we follow him here. He has a – you know, the Broncos have a ton of respect for him as a receiver and a runner. So that makes it, I think, even just a little bit more impressive that they're putting up these points and yards without one of their best players. Hey, Ryan, two more for you. Uh, underrated player on the Broncos, maybe Chargers fans should keep an eye on on Sunday. Maybe a guy that is not a household name. Well, I cannot pronounce his last name, but we're going to go with Albert O, the tight end, number 85. Um, rookie, draft pick, played with Drew Lockett, Missouri. It was a healthy scratch the first four games, got a chance against New England. He's, he's, a, he's a weapon right now. Uh, he's not going to really help you in the run game, to which I say, so what? Uh, catch the football, which is he's targeted seven times last week had seven catches, and I think they waited too long to go to him. So if I'm a Charger uh, fan on Sunday, I look at for number 85 in orange because they're going to probably try and uh, explore some matchups for him. And then finally, Ryan, just what do you think is going to decide this game? And, you know, obviously the the last time these two teams met, it was a, a, a Casey Hayward pass interference that led to yeah. a, a Brandon McManus uh, field goal at the end of regulation. Uh, played a tight one last year. What do you think is going to decide this one? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of weeks to be the same answer. It's turnovers. The Broncos cannot create a takeaway, and they give it away too much. They're second second worst in the league in, in differential. They're, you know, and so one thing the defense has talked about this week, yeah, the pass rush is picking up. They got to create more takeaways. So I think the Broncos are saying, okay, if you can force the young quarterback into a couple mistakes, maybe that'll help the Bronco offense. And uh, so that that would be my number one key. And then if I'm the Charger defense, I, I want to make the Broncos one-dimensional, which means containing Melvin Gordon on first down yep. and tell Drew Locke, hey, I'm, Gus, I'm going to rush four, drop seven, see if you can find a zone to throw into. We'll see what happens. I always enjoy the trip to Denver. I'm not going to be able to do it this year, man, but I uh, always appreciate your insight, Ryan. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see each other in person sooner than later, man. we got to get you to SoFi Stadium. Well, I appreciate it, Chris, and and we we have been going to road games, so Good. maybe we'll we'll see you either the day after Christmas or December twenty seventh. Looking forward to it, man. Thank you so much. All right, Chargers fans. Before we get to Matt Money Smith, access to school meals is more important than ever, as one in four students are now facing food insecurity. That's why Subway they're teaming up with America's dairy farmers and fuel up to play sixty this fall to raise money to help fight hunger in our local community. Head to your local Subway store before November 30th and donate your spare change at the register to fuel up to Play 60 to help tackle hunger and make sure local LA students have access to the nutrition they need. All right, time to see what's on the menu presented by Subway. Voice of the Chargers, Matt Money Smith. Money, Sunday was a roller coaster, but Sunday was fun. Justin Herbert, man, gets his first NFL win. Chargers get their first at SoFi Stadium. That second half was pretty entertaining. Well, it was, especially considering how it started, right? You know, the and, and we've we've talked about that. It's something that DJ brings up. It's it's kind of like a uh, a Belichickism, which is the middle eight. You know, the final four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half are very pivotal in, in terms of the yeah. outcome of a game. And they have not been kind to the Chargers over this four game losing streak. Over that that I should say. Thankfully, it's not this that four game losing streak. And you come out of the third quarter. And what happens, you know, punt block, return for a touchdown. Special teams was off the whole first half. And, you know, and, and you credit the staff and you credit the players and especially Justin Herbert, you know, didn't phase them. You know, a 16 nothing lead turned into a 21 nothing run by the Jags and they just responded from there. And, yeah, it was, it was fun. You know, Justin Herbert is a lot of fun to call games um, watching. That's for sure. Be it, you know, and this was kind of the first one, Chris, that, that we really got to see that athleticism with his legs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he led the team in rushing. And, you know, I think for the first time, too, we really saw I felt like he was more confident than ever. Right. I think that yeah. second half, he, he realized that he was putting the team on his back and some of the plays he made. And, and we've talked about this the last several weeks, just elevating the play of other players maybe some guys who who haven't had a lot of reps Donald Parra man two catches two touchdowns <laughs> Virgil Green um the fact that he's running in balls himself I I can't say enough about the kid and I, I looked at some stats last year the entire season money eight players had a receiving or a rushing touchdown for the Chargers entering week eight 11 different guys have scored either a rushing touchdown or a receiving touchdown I think that's just a testament to Herbert just elevating the play of everybody. Yeah, I think it's elevating it. It's also, you know, something that typically doesn't come early in a quarterback's career, and that's the ability to read the whole field and and work through your progressions. You know, a lot of times, you uh, you know, I know it was, uh, I want to say it's probably last week, I think Dan Orlovsky put out a very cool video about what Sean McVay, you know, did when he first got to the Rams to try to help Jared Goff, where he told the defense, you know, what the first read was. And he wanted them to take it away so he yeah. could try to help train because he noticed that Goff would lock into his first read and it was hard for him to get through the progressions. And I bring that up because that was someone who was in his second year, had already started a handful of games, and clearly McVeigh recognized, okay, he doesn't – he's not there. He, Herbert has none of that. <laughs> Herbert reads the whole field. Like you said, it's Jalen Guyton downfield. It's Donald Parham on a left sideline. It's Virgil Green. That looked like a one-man route with Mike Williams. And that's what I was calling when the ball was in the air. I thought that's where he was going. And then all of a sudden, I pick up Virgil out of my periphery. And I'm like, oh, Virgil's in the end zone. And like, that's, I think that just speaks to 
the, the level of A, maturity. And, you know, I think it also, you know, so I've already now cited Bill Parcells. I've already cited Sean McVay. And now I'm going to give you, I mean, I've already started Bill Belichick. Now I'm going to give you a Parcellsism, which is he always wanted his quarterbacks to have a ton of college experience. He, he did not like the idea of a guy that was a one-year starter or even a two-year starter. He preferred four years of starting experience. And I think you're starting to see that with Herbert. You know, that's what starting all those games in college can do for someone just reps, you know, it's, it's anything you do, you know, it's the old Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 reps, right. When it comes to outliers. And, and I think getting all those reps, especially with four different <laughs> offensive coordinators and, and two different head coaches. Yeah. Right. I think that helps make, you know, a, a quarterback like Herbert more comfortable out there You know, nothing faces him. He's thrown to different tight ends, to different receivers, to different backs, under different schemes. And none of it's phased them, you know, to the tune of a Pac-12 and Rose Bowl championship. So that's carried over. And, and you know what? I also think I, I also want to make sure that – and I know you're not trying to do that. I'm not saying you are, Chris, but I also want to point to the talent. Like, I think Jalen Guyton is really emerging as what Tom Telesco has been looking for, is that just speed, take the top off, deep threat, while Keenan – you know, runs those precise routes. Mike Williams and Hunter, you know, Hunter Henry owns the middle of the field. Mike Williams wins those 50-50 balls. Guyton's turning out to be a real weapon for this team. He, he's almost like the Deshaun Jackson for the Chargers, man. He, he has that, that straight line speed who, who can take the top off the defense. Chargers didn't have that last year, Money, frankly. They, no. they didn't have anybody who could do that. Now you have a guy like Guyton who has three touchdowns already. Uh, Tyron Johnson has that speed, too. We, we saw him score in Tampa, but uh, it's a testament, like you said, Telesco finding guys to, to help fit this offense and, and help Justin Herbert get the ball to where it needs to go. And a, a guy like Mike Williams, who had two touchdowns against the Saints, didn't do much of anything, yet they didn't miss a beat on Sunday. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, just kind of going back to Guyton, you know, as, as DJ brought it up during the game, he said, look, that's what they wanted Travis Benjamin to do, and he just couldn't do it. You know, and to some degree, that's what Tyrell Williams did while he was here, right? He was your yeah. speed option, and, and it worked, and it helped open up the middle of the field for, again, Hunter and the, the underneath for, for Keenan. Um, you know, and you said, and, and fantasy managers cringed when you said that about, about Mike Williams because it's a favorable matchup. You're coming off, you know, like a 30-point performance, you know, for your fantasy team, and he gets one target, one catch, four yards. But like you said, that's, that's a mature quarterback. You know, even though I'm comfortable throwing to that guy last week or on Monday night and, and, you know, we got all this, you know, we got two touchdowns out of it and a bunch of huge catches that set up a potential game when you field goal, doesn't even feel the need to try to force it in there and go to him. If it's there, he'll throw it. If it's not, he won't. I think that also creates um, camaraderie, uh, frat, you know, a, a fraternity, you know, yeah. a fraternization between these guys that it's not personal. I'm not always looking for Keenan. I'm not always looking for Hunter. If you're open, I'm going to get you the ball. It doesn't matter what the name on the back of your jersey says. No question. And you mentioned Orlovsky. He had a tweet early this morning, said the Chargers have Herbert doing a lot of things well, but playing fast is top of the list. He's seeing, executing things at the ideal speed with his decision-making and his physical talent is shining because of it. Is that what you see too? Yeah, certainly. And, and I think, you know, that's, I think sort of maybe the next step, like I saw, you know, I had to do some, um, I had to do a broadcast for NFL Network. Actually, it was NFL UK. I did the, the Monday Night Football broadcast, and it was interesting to watch. You know, a lot of people point to Sean McVay as sort of this innovator, somebody who's reintroducing concepts that have been around before that we haven't seen for a while. But one of the things that I found interesting was his shifting tempo. Um, and I also saw it in the Indiana Penn State game on Saturday, where you'll have a team that's, that's running tempo, and then all of a sudden they'll slow down, and then they pick it up, and the defense just – I think it's anything to create – you know, uh, you know, an uncomfortable situation for the yeah. defense. And I think that's what Shane Steichen's starting to do with Herbert, you know, with that tempo, um, with these design runs, with the RPOs. Um, I think that's, you know, that's, that's what Herbert gives you when, when you have, and I can't remember who I was talking to. I, I did an interview. Um, shoot, oh, it was James Palmer who works for the NFL network. And yeah. he was at the Tampa and the new Orleans games. And it's, it's the same thing we hear from everyone you know, I got a chance to be on the field with him at the combine, but anybody that's around Herbert for the first time, they're like, you, you can't understand how big that guy is till you're on a field with him because you watch and you just see the athleticism and you assume, Oh, he, you know, he must be listed at six, six. He's probably six, three, six, four. And, you know, he's listed at two twenty five. He's probably two fifteen. No, he is six foot six, two twenty five plus. And, and when you have that kind of body and that athleticism and that arm talent, my goodness, the, the possibilities are endless. And I think 
like you said, and, and you know, like Dan Dan tweeted when you read the tweet, it's just starting. I mean, it's it, obviously it's five games into his career. So the last three weeks, though, we got to address this. You lose a 17-point lead to the Bucks, to the Saints, and then a 16-point lead to the Jags. If this team wants to take the next step with two division games coming up, get back to four and four, get your season back on track, that has to be cleaned up. What do you attribute it to? I, I don't know if it's just one thing, money, but you know, in that game, yeah, in that game, Chris, I think it was it was it was a few things. One, uh, Herbert wasn't sharp at the start. He missed, uh, you know, he missed a handful of open throws. I can think of one that was just a, a quick speed out to Hunter Henry that was five feet over his head. He had a couple like that with Keenan as well. There was just something going on where he wasn't quite right at, you know, the first couple series there, right? And I think that carried over. They got their 16-point lead, but I think it still carried over a little bit. So you have missed completions. And I thought Ty Long probably had his worst game that, that I've seen him have. Uh, his, his punts were flat. They were short. Um, they weren't clean and it just gave the Jags really good field position repeatedly that the, the Chargers weren't able to flip the field. Um, so I think you, you take that into consideration. You also had a missed field. Uh, you also had a missed extra point, which I think doesn't do great things for an offense. I, I think you, you know, you score a touchdown, you want to be high five and then you miss the extra point. It kind of leaves you with sort of this empty feeling and then he missed a field goal and, and then you start thinking, Oh boy. So he missed a field goal against the Saints, missed a field goal against the Bucs, missed an extra point against the Saints, missed an extra point again. Here we go again. And I think, you know, the special teams was in the first half was, you know, through that first play of the third quarter was off to a really bad game. I mean, one of the worst that, that I've seen in the three plus years that I've been calling games. And, and I think once they were able to figure that out and Badgie was able to bang home two straight extra points and a field goal um, and you force the fumble on the kickoff return, you know, that. That I think people overlook far too often. Special teams is so critical. Um, and just kind of going back to that Monday nighter, I, I mean, Rams might not win that game if it's not for Johnny Hacker's punts and just he was consistently phenomenal. flipping the field against an off. And like that's like, and I bring it up because that's going to be so important this week. Drew Locke has struggled the last couple weeks. You know, he's not been helped by his receivers dropping passes, but he's got zero touchdowns and four picks in the last two weeks. And, and it's an offense that's still, you know, the offensive line's still leaky and it's a really good defense. So, you know, I, I hope coach Stewart and, and Ty Long and those guys get it figured out because they're going to need them like that. That's going to be a big game for him um, up there in Denver to, to make sure you can flip that field when you need to. And, you know, you go back to a couple of weeks ago, they won that game in new England because of their special teams, six field goals right. and, and the way they play defense. So, Chargers are going to have to pack their defense and their special teams unit to, to complement Herbert. And, you know, let's just go to Denver. The last win for the Chargers in the division was week 17, 2018. Uh, so yeah. you don't think this game's important for the Chargers in the next couple of weeks where you got the Broncos and the Raiders, an opportunity to, to get two wins in the division. This is a team that – we were there last December with Drew Locke. I think, was it Drew Locke's first start? Money? Yeah, it was Drew Locke's his, first start. We got a lot of those start. last year. We got Tannehill's first start. We got Drew Locke's first start. You know, we had Patrick Mahomes technically first start two years ago, you know, for Kansas State. For whatever reason, it's a, it's a good time to start when you play the Chargers, apparently. And, yeah, it was that pass interference call on on Casey Hayward, the last play of, of regulation that ended up with a game-winning field goal. And, you know, it was just a season of, of heartbreak repeatedly. Uh, he's got the arm. Those re Look, this, this is a Denver team, I think, that's, that's going to be you know, a team to contend with moving forward. They are just way too banged up. Uh, Cortland Sutton is an absolute nightmare matchup. And, and I think once you get him paired with Fant and Jerry Judy, that, that's going to be a load to deal with. I just still don't know about Drew Locke. I, you know, I'm, I think, and that's, that's what I think a lot of people are right now, you know, looks pretty good. You know, there's, he's got his moments at the same time, just not quite there yet. So I would love to see this defensive line pick up where they left off five sacks, great rotation, fresh bodies, you know, Damien square getting in there and, and allowing Tillery to get his rest and Linval to get his rest, you know, Rochelle doing the same thing with Bosa, Chenna doing the same thing with, with Ingram. And it just makes everybody better. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that Nas gets another one. You know, I think this is set up for him to maybe get another one just because that offensive line hadn't been great for, for Denver and Drew likes to take chances. So would, would love to see, you know, another plus in the turnover column for the, for the Chargers in this one. And like you said, Ty Long and, and Mike Badgley got to get it right because 
that defense is really good. You know, that it's, yeah, it's a really, are. really good defense. It's well coached by Vic Fangio and, and they're, uh, I, I, I don't expect this to be a blowout game like the chiefs made it against the Broncos last week. One touchdown, four interceptions for Locke on the season. And in the backfield, uh, an old friend money, Melvin yeah, old Gordon. Friend alert. <laughs> old friend alert. What, what do you think that's going to be like, seeing uh, seeing old Mel? I, I'm sure he's going to be probably juiced up to play against the Chargers, but I'm sure that defense uh, feels the same way. Oh, no question. Uh, I would expect nothing less, right? You know, hope, hope it's going well for him, except for tomorrow, or except for Sunday, I should say. Um, Look, I, I think Lindsay's the better back, to be honest. And I think, you know, they, they view that as a true committee. And we know what Lindsay's done to this team, you know, repeatedly. So I think it's, it's beyond just Melvin. It's, it's shutting, you know, both of those guys down. I know Philip Lindsay's a little banged up. But, you know, it's, look, it's, it's a lot of weapons on that offense, you know, trying to figure out. And I think that's, like, you know, this, is, this to me could be a Kenneth Murray game because you have someone like Fan at that tight end position and you're going to need a safety. And if you can have a linebacker who's able to run with him step for step, it frees some things up in your secondary. And I think Kenneth Murray's, that's why they drafted him. You know, they, they drafted him for Travis Kelsey. They drafted him for Noah Fant. Uh, they drafted him for Darren Waller. And, and I think, you know, even though we didn't call his name a whole lot in the Jags game, uh, O'Shaughnessy wasn't necessarily the tight end that you were looking to slow down. So I think this week, I'm hoping that, you know, this is maybe one of those breakout games where where fans kind of been doing some damage all season and, and he has an opportunity to shut that sort of safety valve and he's almost like a number one option for Locke you know for you know it just seems like he's always looking for him and why wouldn't you he's a heck of a mismatch at that spot he is and it's it's funny seeing the the top of the the death chart and you see Judy obviously Tim Patrick is leading yeah. the team in uh, in receiving yards and I think maybe touchdowns as well so not having Cortland Sutton out there obviously is a uh, is a big advantage for, for any defense playing the Broncos. But what have you seen from Jerry Judy? Uh, obviously he has not had, he's had a lot of inconsistency at the yeah. quarterback position. And, and I think when you're a rookie wide receiver, you're, you're kind of at the mercy of who's throwing you the football. Yeah. He look, he had, I think he had one good game, right? Like one really good game. Um, but he's, but he's just kind of listening to the, the people at the combine when I was down there, the, one of the best route runners that they've seen come out of college in a long, long time. Um, and, and you know what that can do to corners because we see it with Keenan, right? If you're precise, if you know how to get in out of your breaks, uh, you can leave guys in the dust in a hurry. Um, so he's, even though the numbers aren't there, and like you said, inconsistent, some drops, you know, he had a huge drop in that game against New England a couple weeks ago. So you know, those are things that he's got to clean up, but that's, you know, that's being a rookie at the same time. I, I think, like you said, between, Patrick's good. There are a lot of guys that are overlooked, you know, and, and like we yeah. said earlier, the fact that Sutton's out is a, you know, you hate to see it because you don't ever want to see anybody get injured, but it's a big, big break for the chargers not to have to contend with him and Judy and fan. It, it, it definitely downgrades their receiving core when it's Patrick, Judy and fan instead. And look, we've seen, you know, we saw, speaking of New England, we saw it in New England. You know, Melvin can catch the ball out of the backfield and go. I mean, 87-yard touchdown catch out of the backfield yeah. on a reception. So you got to be aware of that, you know, leak into the flat from Melvin because he's certainly capable of taking it all the way. So um, I, still, I still feel like this is going to be a, a grinded out, a, a grinded out, you know, balanced offense, likely lower scoring game is just kind of the vibe I get from, from what we're going to see. Yeah, in the division against opponents like, especially like like the Broncos and maybe the Raiders sometimes, you know, the Chiefs put up those points, but uh, but I can yeah. see the same thing in Denver. Yeah, you know, you asked me last, sorry to interrupt there, you asked me last week, um, you know, about uh, about which would, I, which would I rather have back, you know, the two D linemen or the two O linemen, like this is, this is a game where you'd really like to see hopefully Trey and, and, and Brian Belaga get back out there. I think that could go a long way uh, for, for Herbert in this running game, you know, that, and I think you saw, you know, the, the issues without Trey Turner and Brian Belaga out there. That's why you got to see, and I love the play calls. Like I've just run it every play. Those, those, you know, dumps into the flat, the smoke routes for, for Justin Jackson on it's first down start the game. runs. Yeah, they're runs. They're just extended runs, you know, because they've had so much trouble blocking and opening up holes without those two out there. Um, and I think if you can get them back and, you know, as we're doing this right now, who knows, you know, what, what, what week, if it's this week, if it's one of the two, if it's, if it's two of the two, if it's zero of the two, hopefully sooner than later, I think that's when you're going to see 
look, a lot of it's Austin Eckler. He's one of the best at yards after contact, at breaking tackles, at making people miss. But I think it's also a big part of it is just the right side of the line. You know, ha- having Pipkins and, and Groy or St. Louis out there is not having Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner. Yeah, Bulaga was practicing on a limited basis all last week. I think it was doubtful until really the, the 11th hour there. Trey didn't practice at all last week. So yeah. as we take this, we'll, we'll continue to check out that injury report. But you're right. Uh, Austin obviously means a great deal. But yeah. to get uh, a Pro Bowl guard back and then a, a steady right tackle for a long time in this league yeah. is, is going to do wonders for the running game, I believe. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and look, it, it, we keep saying it and it's, you know, it's, it's excuse making. Sure. But it's, that's not what I'm trying to do when I say it. I just, man, I get excited thinking about what this team would look like healthy. That that's all I'm saying is like, man, if this team was healthy, if Derwin was out there um, and, and if you have a, a, right, if you have Derwin and Tranquil on that defense and you get that offensive line healthy, I just, man, I think this is a team that, that's as good as any. Uh, with how Herbert's playing. I, I really do. You know, with Eckler in the backfield, you're, you're a healthy offensive line. And like you said, the athleticism and the speed of Kenneth Murray and Tranquil out there together with just the brilliance, the, you know, the savant that Derwin James is, would really take this team. I think, it, I really do believe into the elite levels. And, and it's weird saying that about a team that's two and four, but, you know, it's a, it's a team that, that we'll know. Look, we'll figure it out over this stretch, right? This is the stretch. It started with the Jags. You know, Broncos, Raiders, Dolphins, Jets, you know, that's your stretch. See, if you can win all five of these, then, you know, see, get, get to six and four. And, man, that, that certainly would be interesting, thinking about Eckler coming back somewhere in that window, you know, and, and having everyone but Derwin and, and Tranquil out there. I still think this is a team that could do some damage. Starts in the division. We'll see if the Chargers can get their first one in a while in Denver. Money, appreciate your time, brother. Anytime. Looking forward to it. All right, guys, before we get to our Beat Writers Roundtable, Pizza Hut, they're hooking it up with the Bolt to the Hut bundle deal that includes an exclusive Chargers poster. For $14.99, Chargers fans will receive a large three-topping pizza and a Chargers poster. Right now, it's the Hunter Henry poster that's available. Collect all six-player posters throughout the season. Visit PizzaHut.com deals and enter your zip code to see if your local Pizza Hut is participating in the greater LA area. Offer is available for pickup or delivery while supplies last. All right, guys, a week eight roundtable. Joined by Haley Elwood, Daniel Popper of The Athletic, and Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group. Guys, we are taping this on a Thursday. And, and Haley, I'll start with you. Just This is 2020, and uh, the Chargers, they had their, their first positive COVID-19 test practiced. Not practicing today, actually. Yeah, no practice today. Yeah, so we learned Ryan Groy, offensive lineman, was placed on the COVID-19, reserve COVID-19 list. Look, this is the first positive test that the Chargers have had all year so far since training camp. Obviously, they were able to get through camp totally okay. I think it just kind of goes back to Coach Lynn's message at the beginning of this crazy offseason that we knew 2020 was going to be, which is embrace chaos. It's it's changes on the fly, literally calling audibles. And I think that happened today, obviously, with canceling practice, which, which Coach said was because out of an abundance of caution, he wanted to get one more day of testing in and then allow the players to conduct their meetings virtually and shift to that virtual format. So as you said, we're here on a Thursday taping this. We'll see what happens. Hopefully that's the only positive test. Hopefully Ryan Roy is also okay, obviously, but it's the message of 2020 adapt and change on the fly as news comes in. Yeah, and you guys are probably listening to this. We could be listening on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, this is what's happening now, and obviously it's a fluid situation. And, and Gil, the Chargers have already had to deal with having their buy moved. I mean, this is just something that I feel like all NFL teams, if you if you went into this upcoming season not thinking something like this could happen, you're probably a little naive. Yeah, and especially for for this Chargers team that that you know got their first positive test, it kind of went you know smooth throughout you know what it's been. Feels like a year, but it's been three months. So and so far, <laughs> yeah. you know, they've kind of been okay. So you felt you feel like you know they were due, which sounds kind of weird to say, but you know, in such a chaotic time that you know the odds say it's going to happen to every team eventually. And for the Chargers, happened in week eight. But like you mentioned, there was a bye week. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to make this game work, but it seems like uh, I think Anthony Lynn said that it's contained. Everybody's okay. Ryan Groy's okay. So it sounds like Sunday Sunday we'll have a game against uh, the Broncos. 
Popper, this comes after a win, and it comes ahead of a very critical stretch for the team where you have back-to-back division games. You're seeking your first division win since Week 17 in Denver against the Broncos. The year you went 12-4. and uh, This is a critical two-week stretch for this team to maybe get back to 4-4 four and four, get yourself back in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously not an ideal time to have your first positive COVID test, but I think – you know, for, for, for Tom Telesco, Anthony, and the rest of the Chargers organization, this was sort of an inevitability. So I'm sure they were prepared for it, and, and they've been great at adapting on the fly, as Haley was alluding to. But you're right, it's a crucial stretch. And I think the thing you have to mention, like you were talking about, is they're 0-7 in their last seven division games. Um, you know, you, you can't be a good football team in the National Football League if you don't win games in your division. Um, and there's really no excuse for being as bad as they have been. Um, you know, the Chiefs obviously are great, but the Broncos haven't been a great team. The Raiders haven't been a great team. And they've been in all these games and just haven't been able to finish. And that's really been a story of this team the last two seasons. Um, you know, Anthony Lynn sort of deferred when asked about it this week about, you know, is there extra onus on this game because of the division game? You know, he's not going to say it public, publicly, but I can guarantee you he is heated over the fact that they have not won division games since 2018. Uh, and this is an absolute priority to win this game on Sunday, even though it's on the road in Denver. Yep. And under center will be the NFL rookie of the month in Justin Herbert. And Haley, we've ran out of adjectives to describe what he's done through the first five weeks, but he's got a tough test against a, a pretty good Broncos defense. The, the score didn't really reflect it last week when they played the Chiefs, but uh, this is a team that can get after a, a quarterback, especially uh, a quarterback who may have some offensive line issues. Yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting thing about Denver in the sense of they did lose last week and lost handedly to the Kansas City Chiefs, but they were so good on third down, and their third down defense has been really, really good all year so far this season. And that's that's the big thing. It's it's can they pressure Justin Herbert, who has been great under pressure and has shown this kind of like cool and collected poise that we've some, seen from him over these last few weeks. But, you know, I kind of think going back to that Tampa Bay game, I mean, Tampa's defense is incredibly fast, incredibly good at rushing the passer. You saw, if you watch that game during our bye, what they were able to do against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And, and Denver though, with guys like Bradley Chubb, he can get after it, especially him being healthy. So it's going to be a big test. And you mentioned it with the offensive line, sort of in a little bit of a mm, rebuilding or shape-shifting kind of mode here. It'll be interesting with who they place in those positions. Ryan Gray has been starting, I believe. And if he's healthy, you know, whatever happens with the COVID situation, who then steps in if Trey Turner can't go on Sunday. But, you know, it'll be interesting. But, yes, Denver has an incredible, incredible pass rush getting after it. And it'll be a big test, especially for a rookie quarterback this week. Gilbert, Herbert has really answered the bell. I mean, he hasn't had Eckler the past couple of weeks. He hasn't really played with with Turner or Bulaga. And he's really kind of elevating the play. That's been kind of the theme this week is you see all the guys who have scored touchdowns for the Chargers this year already entering week eight. Uh, Herbert has found a way. Uh, what do you think this challenge is going to bring him on the road against a divisional opponent? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say. It might be the, the toughest opponent because he's played the Chiefs. Uh, he's played the, the Saints. He's played the Buccaneers. And he's kind of played very well against all those very talented defenses. But against the Broncos, it just feels different. Maybe because, you know, this one's on the road. They play a division rival. And it feels like a, a must-win game. Like uh, Popper, was, Popper was mentioning, their own seven in division. You've got to get this win, uh, especially to beat two and four. And, and you got to win last week. you got to build on that. But you mentioned, Chris, uh, I'm, I'm, I am very impressed with how Justin Herbert kind of makes it work with what he has on the field. Uh, no Trey Turner, no Brian Bulaga, no Mike Williams for a game, no Austin Eckler for a couple games. And he's still throwing for 300 yards passing. Uh, he set a record in rushing yards last week. So he's kind of always adding a little more to his game. And the best part, no turnovers in the last two games. So whatever Herbert is doing, he's getting better. Uh, and it's been fun to watch. Papa, that's been the big thing is no turnovers the last two weeks for the Chargers. The, the Broncos have had a turnover in every single game this year, multiple turnovers in five of six. I look at the Chargers' defense. They're going to have to get a couple against Drew Lock and company because we keep saying this, and maybe Herbert will prove us wrong and just play elite every single Sunday and have 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. But at some point, another aspect of the team, another phase of the team is going to have to pick up the offense. Uh, I'm looking at this Chargers defense maybe trying to get, uh, whether it's a fumble or a true lock interception, forcing a turnover, maybe even getting a score, man. 
Yeah, the, the splash pit plays would be great, but for me, what I'm really looking for is a sound four quarters of football from this Chargers defense, something they really haven't done the last three weeks, really. I mean, the Bucks game was, was a disaster. They had some letdowns in that Saints game. And then the second quarter, I mean, they played great, uh, you know, this past weekend against the Jaguars, besides the second quarter. It was almost like they just had a lull and then came back in that second half, you know, playing you know, much faster and tackling better. In the second quarter, the tackling was off. They've had coverage busts. It, they're just not executing, and, they, and they're not sharp for four quarters. And, you know, Justin Herbert talked about it after the game. I asked him, you know, what did you learn about winning in the NFL this week and on Sunday in this game? He said it takes four quarters. That applies to every phase of the football team, including the defense. What I'm looking for is defense four quarters of sound football, no explosive explosive plays and no missed tackles, no coverage blunders, none of those kinds of things. You know, the turnovers would be great, but if they can just execute Gus's, Gus Bradley's scheme and play sound football, you're going to hold teams to not a lot of points. And the way Justin Herbert's playing, he's going to win games if you hold opposing teams to 17, 20 points and that sort of thing. So I'm looking for just four quarters of sound football. That, w- that should be the priority uh, for Gus Bradley and, and his defensive players this week. Haley, I was just talking to Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post, and he, he basically said that Kansas City rushed four and said, Drew Locke beat us. So when you have Melvin Gordon on deck, and we've talked about it all week, uh, obviously we know he played for the Chargers, and he was a running back. He did? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but just stopping Melvin, Anthony Lynn talked about just getting hats to the ball. Uh, James Robinson, he, he was a, a tough runner last week and, and broke a lot of tackles. Stopping Melvin Gordon could really be the key to this game. Probably could be the key to this game, especially because we don't know yet what Philip Lindsay's availability is going to be like. He obviously poses an Eckler type threat for their offense. But if you have to contain one of those guys, contain them on the ground. I think the weather is going to be a little better this week than last week against Kansas City. But yeah, this Chargers defense, or I'm sorry, Chargers team overall, they know what Melvin Gordon is capable of. He was in their system these last few years. They know him very, very well. And it's going to be up to those guys up front. New piece, though, this year, Linval Joseph up there, that big body guy. You talk about adjectives for Justin Herbert. We had many an adjective for him thrown over the summer about what his size and strength and what he's capable of doing. But I think you're right. I think it would probably come down to stopping Melvin Gordon. And as Coach Lynn said, you know he's going to be motivated. You know this team is going to be motivated. It's a little extra juice. And I do have to say, I do kind of love divisional games because you almost throw records out the window at this point. This does feel a little bit almost like the Titans game last year where you had two, two and four teams and and someone's, you know, someone's obviously going to win. Someone's going to lose. And could that set the course for the rest of the season? Kind of has a similar vibe there. But it's going to be very, very intriguing with what happens, especially in that ground game. And Keenan Allen, I love it. I mean, he said, look, those two aren't obviously going to be on the field at the same time. But he goes, there's going to be a lot of talking and a lot of playmaking that happens this Sunday. Anybody, anybody that knows, anybody that knows Mel knows that he circled that game as soon as the yes. schedule came out and then recircled it when the schedule got shuffled. I mean, that, this guy's probably been looking forward to this game ever since he signed that contract. And I'm, I'm gonna, I imagine he's going to come out running as hard as probably we've ever seen him run. If yeah. Ryan O'Halloran also said that, that Melvin in his Zoom press run Wednesday said it's just another game, and mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Come on, go check his <laughs> go, go, go check his Instagram comments, and you'll see it's definitely not it's definitely not another just another game." Hey, hey receipts. Gil, Gil, the fact that the the Chargers got Melvin Ingram back and, and Justin Jones back comes at a really a perfect time. We talked about stopping the run. What did you see from the defensive line in just an effort to keep those guys fresh? Maybe see. The Jerry Tillery we saw the, the first two weeks of the year, I think it came at the right time. Obviously, the offensive line, you're hoping for Bulaga and Turner to come back, but at least you get uh, two key pieces back on the D-line. Yeah, you got to have those two guys for Melvin Gordon's revenge game. You know, they, they got, you got to be fully loaded to stop Melvin Gordon, uh, the hard tackler there. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. It felt like this team was missing something for the last couple of weeks without Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones. Two very uh, vital guys for that D-line, especially for Melvin Ingram. He's such a – you know, he's a ball of energy. He just brings out the best in everybody. Uh, I, I know it wasn't like the, the greatest Melvin Ingram game, but just to be out there, you could tell that all guys on the D-line wanted to play better. Uh, he got a couple of pressures there, uh, and it helps everybody from Jerry Tillery to Uchan Nwusu. So I think for the Chargers to have Melvin Ingram back, their leader, it really helped out, and you, you saw the boost against the Jaguars. And just to add to that real quick, Joey Bosa was healthy on Sunday. 
that was the first time, first time pretty much since week one where I saw on tape like a legitimately healthy Joey Bosa and he was an absolute force. And when he is winning his one-on-one matchups on the edge, like it opens up everything for this defensive line. And, and I thought before he hurt himself in, in the fourth quarter, I thought Mel looked, looked really solid. I mean, he was getting pressures. And the interesting thing was he was doing a lot of bull rushing on the interior. Usually he's a speed guy using those spin moves and, and his athleticism around the edge. But he was like running guys over on the interior. Like he was – he looked healthy as well before he got, got – you know, he nicked up his knee there again in, in the fourth quarter. But like they're just – it's just so obvious. But when you finally see them back on the field together, you're like, wow, this defense is so different when the, both those guys are in there. Because you, when you get pressure with your with your front four, it opens up so much on the back end where you can throw out a dime package, for example. You can bring Jaleel Dian as a sixth defensive back and play a lot of soft zone on those third and longs because Joey Bosa and Mel are getting the quarterback and, and wreaking havoc with just those four rushers. I was going to say, Chargers were down. Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones in half a Joey Bosa. I think it, it's, it was safe. Probably more than that. Like yeah. Joey was not anywhere close to himself, especially in that Bucks game, like against Wirfs. Just he got he got manhandled by a rookie, and it was he just didn't look like himself. He just wasn't he wasn't healthy. All right, guys, let's go around the horn. I, I want a key to the game and a player to watch, and we'll start with Haley. So my key to the game, obviously, it kind of references what I talked about earlier, but winning on third down. I believe the Chargers they currently rank seventh in the NFL. They have a forty-seven percent conversion rate on third down, which is great. But knowing that Denver held Kansas City to Ofer on third down last week, Casey obviously still won, so there are ways around that. But the easiest way to obviously sustain drives, score points, win on third down. And then your player to watch. I'm actually going to go with Donald Parham. Two catches, two touchdowns. We've seen like that. It. A little interesting one because former Denver Bronco Virgil Green will not be playing in this game, obviously. So we'll probably see a little more Parham in the run game a little more of an expanded role for him there, but he's been a really interesting one to watch and, and really kind of come along with the progression of Justin Herbert as well. Two good ones, Parham, two catches, two touchdowns. Gil, what about you, man? Uh, you know, let's go with the rushing attack. I, I, I want to see the Chargers uh, a duo of Justin Jackson and, and Joshua Kelly, you know, you know, bring it on and really carry this game, especially uh, it seems like every time you play Denver, you, you got to get that ground game going. It's, it's, it's never like a high scoring affair, even though they have Justin Herbert, that could happen. Uh, but you want to get the running game going, but I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down to Joshua Kelly. Uh, he won that game in week one. And he's kind of been very quiet ever since. And there's very high hopes for Joshua Kelly. So hopefully for the rookie, he kind of figures it out this week. Uh, I think he got the bulk of the carries a week ago, but still didn't get the yards. Uh, he's still very involved in the passing game. So hopefully for Joshua Kelly, he gets, gets it going and gets that, that uh, promising rookie career back on track. Yeah, they need to get somebody to get the running game going, whether that's Jackson or Kelly. We'll see Sunday. Pop, what about you? So many to choose from. I love the Donald Parham. That's, that's like a, your, your hipster pick. I totally love it. But <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm gonna go with, a, with a more mainstream pick here, Keenan Allen. I mean, the guy has been absolutely incredible. He is clearly Justin Herbert's favorite target. Whenever Justin drops back, he is looking for 13. And that's how this offense should function because Keenan, there's not a cornerback in the league. Well, let me, let me rephrase. There's one cornerback in the league who can guard him one-on-one in the slot. And he is now on the Chargers. That's Chris Harris Jr. <laughs> and so he's going into a Broncos game for the first time in his career without having to go up against Chris Harris in the slot. And you have a potential for a huge game out of him because it's not clear exactly who, who can stick with Keenan Allen now that Chris Harris isn't on the Broncos. I mean, obviously they have A.J. Bouillou who's back, but he's more of an outside boundary corner. Um, so I'm curious to see who they match up with on the interior. Um, and, and just the way that chemistry is developing between Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, it's only going to get better. And I'm, I'm you know, envisioning sometime in the next couple of weeks, perhaps as soon as this week, that Keenan Allen's going to bust out for like a career game just because of how often Justin Herbert is targeting him. The questions from a helmet, did you guys see that with Keenan Allen on, on the Chargers website? <clears throat> he pulled a question out and it said, what cornerback do you want to face the most this year? And he said A.J. Bouye. So we're going to see it on Sunday. <laughs> All right. For, 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 me, for me, it's protecting Justin Herbert by any means necessary. And that may mean Justin Herbert protecting himself, getting the ball out of his hands quickly if he needs to. Uh, we don't know what the offensive line situation is going to be. And my player to watch is Justin Jones. Bradley Chubb and Justin Jones are really tight. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're good friends. And you know Bradley Chubb's going to show out. Justin Jones is going to want to turn the favor. And when you're talking about stopping Melvin Gordon, uh, Jones could play a big role in that. So, Popper, Gil, what do you think? Do you think the Chargers get their first win in the division? Pop, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, I, I think they do. I think they do. And, and here's why. When Anthony Lynn gets some momentum going, he's proven 
uh, that he's able to turn things around. And like, I really believe that all of these players in that locker room are playing really, really hard for this guy and playing really, really hard for Anthony Lynn. And I, you know, I, I asked him the question this week because I, I wanted just a genuine answer out of him, but like getting a win after a losing streak like that can just change everything internally. And all of a sudden you get a taste of it and you're starting to get some guys back healthy. Um, and all of a sudden this could turn into, you know, a several game winning streak, but this is the one that you have to have. Um, but I, you know, it, it feels like this was a turning point. Maybe I'm being a little naive, but it does feel like they got a little taste of winning. Justin Herbert got a taste of winning and took a big step forward in terms of making the plays late in games that you have to make to win football games in the NFL. And uh, it just seems like they're, they're on the cusp of something pretty special here. Um, and, and so it starts this week in Denver. I'm, I'm going to take a, a close win, low scoring, probably 20, 2017, something in that range. Yeah, an old AFC West matchup, grinding it out. Gil, what about you, sir? Yeah, I wanted to hear from Pop because he was kind of on the fence on Wednesday. I thought he was going to say uh, a loss in Denver, but he changed his mind there. So I'll make it two for two. Uh, Chargers get the win. Uh, I feel like they're kind of due for a victory. You know, being 0-7 in the AFC West must be eating and Anthony Lynn and the whole, the whole entire staff and the players. Like, you cannot go 0-8. You can't be last in the division. So for these Chargers, I think they get it done. Uh, a big rivalry game, game against the Broncos. You mentioned Melvin Gordon. Uh, so everybody's going to be fired up when you got Melvin Ingram back. So I think uh, especially, uh, you know, guys like Keon, I, I just feel like the energy kind of rose in that game. against the Jaguar. They scored, uh, you know, 37, 39 points, I, I forget. Uh, so they're on a roll right now. So I feel like they'll get it done in Denver. Guys, I'm digging this four box. Me, Haley, Popper, Gill. What should next week's be? We, we had Reedy, Jeff Miller, and Fernando last week. I want to get some banter. Maybe we get Reedy and Popper together. Let's just do. Let's just do three boxes. You two and me, and that way I can get more takes off. <laughs> we like, know you got them. I, I have. I have about seven takes written down that I didn't get to get off. So, like, well, maybe I'll save them for next week. I guess. Popper's furious. It's a four box. <laughs> <laughs> I want just. It shouldn't just be one box and me talking the entire time. But then it would just be my own podcast. Uh, Popper like Jeff and Popper going at it. That's a good matchup. Jeff and Popper. Jeff and Popper's great. Jeff and Popper's great. All right. Well, we had we had a good one today. Haley Elwood, Daniel Popper, Gil. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll see you back here very soon. Thank you. All right, guys. That's going to do it for us. A big thanks to all of my guests. Haley Elwood, Daniel Popper, Gilbert Manzano, Matt Money-Smith, and Ryan O'Halloran for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll also catch you on the final drive after the game. Be sure to download that on the Chargers Podcast Network or catch it on YouTube. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.